quiet numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, you're listening to the podcast, So There I Was. This is episode number 92, titled, Got Me a SAG Card. <laughs> Screen Actors Guild. Oh, boy. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So he much... gets into that pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and just so for the unanointed, I, I had so much film on me from uh, other airplanes, I got me a SAG card. Oh, my gosh. He was spending a lot of time in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. Governor is our guest. He is an amazing storyteller. He's got great stories, as all of our guests do. Another ejection story. He tells it with humor, and he, he tells it with humility, but it was truly breathtakingly close to being a horror story. Yeah, Le- less than half a second, or about a half a second, I think he said. Difference between being alive and dead. It, it does have a happy ending, uh, obviously, because he's telling yeah, the story. Spoiler alert, but, he was here to tell the yeah. story. <laughs> Although his yeah, wife wanted to know where the insurance policies were. so There was a lot of really <laughs> close uh, show titles, so that was one of them. Where are the insurance yeah. policies? Yeah. Uh, but, a couple guys hey, named Bubba picked him up. Uh, you know, oh what are the gosh. odds of that in Georgia? <laughs> I know. Right. Well, let's 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 uh, get some uh, administration out of the way. You had a you had a cold beverage with Strecken, or maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, just saying. So Stre- yeah. Strecken's a uh, Patreon. He's a division lead, but because he's in a foreign country, I didn't want to waste division lead money on shipping. So, <laughs> and as I might be in the shipping business. I I brought Strecken his gift. If you join Patreon at, at different levels, you, we've got Pilot, and there's some benefits there. And once you step up to set step up to Section Lead, you get another gift from our merch store. And when you step up to Division Lead, you get another gift from the merch store. So I brought those gifts personally to Strecken. He spent way more money on me and wouldn't let me pay for drinks. We had an absolute ball. Because he needs some amount of anonymity, I won't say what city he's in because that would probably give away the airline for which he works. But he, I'll say this, he's a 380 captain, and he's got some pretty amazing stories. Maybe we can get him on to chat, chat with us about some of them. That'd be so, Sponsor this week is HelloFresh. Get a free breakfast item for the life of your subscription at HelloFresh.com slash so there I was free. We'll talk more about that during the show. We need to say uh, thanks to our Patreon donors. All of you who are contributing your hard-earned money to make this happen, we can't thank you enough for all you've done. To include two new ones recently. One by the name of Gallo. Might have heard of him. Last couple shows before last week. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Gallo. Thank you, Gallo. He stepped up and gave us $100 of his hard-earned money. So thank you so much. We're, uh, We're humbled. And then we have a new category. You know, there's pilot, section lead, division lead, tanker aircraft commander. What's the new category, Fig? Well, once you exceed tanker aircraft commander five times, the only category above that is chucker. Chucker is in the chucker category. Chucker's in its own category. And we are ever so grateful to all you. Hey, you know what? This is a fun show. I think we should blast off. Let's get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah, let's do it. Really important advice this week because you may need that thing in a hurry. Don't what? Don't sit on the ejection seat handle for crying out loud. Don't sit on it. Would have killed him. This here is a true story. 
about crossing the pond at night in the world's smallest cockpit on the tanker through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. There I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond. So there I was, beautiful day, April 4th, 1991, simple admin turn to do a little gunning on the range, be heroes, go back, make good tape. I look over, and there's an F-16 coming at me. I go, how in the world did that happen? And six seconds later... At 80 degrees, nose low, 360 knots, one-fifth of one second from being out of the envelope, I go from an admin descent to ejecting out of an F-16. What a day. Oh! oh. <laughs> so all terrifying and great aviation tales begin. Welcome, everybody. Repeat here, coming to you from Singapore now. And uh, where's my co-host? I am in Madeira Beach, Florida for a week of R&R, and I have the esteemed pleasure of welcoming our guest, Govna. Govna. I heard the story in person a while a while back, and it you will not be you will not be disappointed on how this ends. Right. <laughs> Welcome, Govna. It's a pleasure to be here, coming to you from the land of Otis Redding and Almond Brothers, Macon, Georgia, better, not, better known as Maconga, right down here in the deep <laughs> south. Beautiful. Absolutely that's, beautiful. All right. That's outstanding. Well, well we got to get back to, you know, you didn't start off life in an F-16. What, what made you decide to want to fly those... Uh, Aero machines. How'd you yeah, get what into got that? You into, what got you into aviation, Governor? I'm sitting on the back of a mule, eight-year-old boy. My daddy's got a single-blade plow. He's behind a mule, and an F-4 Phantom comes over, going over to land at Warner Robins Air Force Base. Comes over. It's about 300 feet. That thing just roars by, and I look up, and I turn around to my daddy, and I say, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to do that. And my daddy looked at me. He said, Two things, son. I got two things for you. I said, What are they, Daddy? I'll do whatever they are. He said, You put your mind to it. You can do that. I said, what's the second one, Daddy? He says, don't you ever plow barefoot behind a mule. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got it. Right there. All right. Nice. And, uh, well, okay. What yeah. was your, uh, so I, I say, I, we know where you ended up, but how did you get there? What was your commissioning story? Yeah, so, so to follow that up, what really happened is I went to, Junior high school was in the middle of the Vietnam War, and all these kids from the base were coming in, and their dads were flying B-52s and KC-135s and F-4s over in Vietnam. And when they would come home, I'd get to go out to the base and play with those guys. And their daddies would be home sometimes, and sometimes their daddy would be gone. And then every now and again, a family would quit coming to the school, and we would say, what happened? And they said, well, their daddy didn't come home from Vietnam. And it put a calling on me. I didn't want to be like those men. I wanted to be those men. So that was, I was 10 years old by that time. Wow. In 1980, I take off for Valdosta, Georgia, to Valdosta State, having never even been in a plane. And I walk up at registration to the ROTC commander, and I said, I want to fly planes. 
And she signed me up for ROTC right there at Valdosta State College. And unfortunately, I didn't qualify to be a pilot because seven of the pilot slots were taken by guys whose dads were either front seaters or back seaters in the Phantom. And she told me, she said, Bo, you can be a navigator. And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, and we're going to pay for your college. I said, my daddy will be calling you. And so <laughs> they gave me a full ride. I went off to navigator school, went to McConnell Air Force Base, Kansas, after graduating from navigator school, stayed there for six months, took a flying evaluation, and my commander called me in and said, you can't stay here. And I said, well, why not, sir? I just got here. He says, because you need another 750 hours to upgrade to an instructor navigator, and you're already ready. What do you want to do? I said, well, I want to go to pilot training. He said, can't do it yet. So he said, you're going to Mather. You're going to be the very first ever first lieutenant navigator instructor. So they sent wow. me back out to Mather Air Force Base in 1985. And I went out there, went through the instructor school, took a check ride. And my commander out there called me and he goes, what are you doing? What is it that you want to do? And I said, I want to go to pilot training. And he said, do the paperwork. And six months later, after turning in that paperwork, there was this new thing invented. It was called a post-it note. They were invented. These yellow post-it notes came out. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> they, that, I didn't think they'd ever make it. They were like, you know, I mean, it's kind of like whiteout. I said, that's never going to make it either. And so... I had a post-it note that said, see Colonel Martinelli. And I walked into him and he said, you're going to pilot training. And I need you to keep it very quiet because the only thing more unpopular on a navigator base than a first lieutenant navigator instructor is a first lieutenant navigator instructor on his way to pilot training. Oh, yeah. And six months yeah. later, I was, at, I was at Williams Air Force Base and going to flight school. Really? That's how I got to Willie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So oh, that's uh, that was uh, 1986 when you showed up there for uh, pilot training. Ish? 1988. 1988. 1988. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. June 1st. And uh, well, you know, we 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 have something in common. So I I went through a year of the basic school basically, you know, mm -hmm. and I showed up for pilot training in April of 1988 in Pensacola. How about that? Big. The basic school <laughs> was the basic school was only six months, Fig. It just seemed like I know, it. but it, 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 took me, it took me a year to get through it. Not well, for that's him. True. With, the, with the pools and all. all right. Yeah, I mean, it was a pool. I had a pool after, and, you know. Okay. So, but, yeah, uh, so about a year after I went, uh, a little less than a year after I went on active duty, I finally got to pilot training. <laughs> nice. Well, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's oh, it. that's cool. So pilot training, was was that all at Willie? What would you fly out there? It started in the Tweet, right? And then, tweet, or, then the 38. Just, okay. And okay. then I went over to Holloman for what they used to call lead-in fighter training and was abused for six weeks over there like I'd never uh, even seen an airplane. And then out to Luke in the 311th Fighter Squadron, the tapeworms they called us because we had a patch that was supposed to be a sidewinder and it literally looked like a tapeworm. <laughs> on the, on the wow. So that, that was the, uh, that was the FTU. That was, yeah, okay. RT, okay. we called them R R RTU, RTU then. Yeah. Okay. And I was the, the last B course in the A model F-16. I soloed the seventh ever made F-16. How about that? Okay. No uh, kidding. All right. Could you say, could you define B course? Yeah, B course is the introduction to flying the F sixteen. Okay, uh, brand new pilots initial initial qual. Okay, so, all right. 
and it was 181 days because they wanted a PCS, so wow. which permanent change of station is, and so we didn't get TDY pay like our our twin tail brethren over there on the other side of the base, whose course was 179 days. So you did a nice job on PCS, permanent change of station. TDY is temporary duty, right? Is that the Air Force? That's it. Yeah, Yeah. temporary duty. Yeah. Marines and Navy called it TAD, temporary additional duty. But Okay, sorry. So so, so hold on. Did I hear you say you flew the sixth, the number six bureau number, seventh? So so it was the one of the oldest F-16s. 007. Yes, small tail A model. You had to solo on the fourth ride. And I have to tell you, it was a quick solo for me. On my very first ride out there, I had a guy, Vietnam vet, in the back seat on the B model. And he said, he told me, he said, we got to do an afterburner takeoff, Bo. So I threw that B model, which held 4,600 pounds of JP4 internal and another 1,500 in a tank. And I threw it in the afterburner and I lifted off and the airplane is ratcheting down the runway, you know, right after I lift off from just above it. And he goes, let go of the stick. I let go of the stick and it smooths out perfectly. And he <laughs> goes, don't, don't hold the stick so tight up there, son. I said, yes, sir. So I'm climbing out and uh, I think I've just lifted off. And he says, he says, Bo, you got a second? I said, yes, sir. He goes, uh, we don't normally climb out at 550 knots. Why don't we get that throttle back and get the nose up a little bit? So <laughs> I was going. So I pulled the yeah. nose up, and he goes, that ain't going to be near enough, son. So I pulled it up about 40 degrees nose high. And he says, tell me what we're supposed to do. And I said, sir, we're going to go out and intercept the 267 radial and climb into the mow and he, into the military operating area. And I go, and he goes, that's right, Bo, and it is eight miles behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So things were happening fast. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. Not for not for me. I, was, yeah, I, said, right. I said, sir, you got a second? He goes, yeah. I said, I am ready to taxi. Yeah. Holy shit, right? Oh man. So how much how much gas did you have left by the time you brought it out of burner? Gosh, gosh, we let's see. I think I I think ended up like getting through the mower with like thirty two hundred. You you know, when you had to land with that underneath it goes like, oh boy. Yeah. He goes he goes uh, he goes, son. I've never had to fail a kid for fuel management on the initial ride, <laughs> but I got it on my mind today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, making a name for myself. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, you know, stuff's happening fast, obviously. Holy cow. Yeah. So yeah. How, how many hours did you get in the B phase of that training before you uh, went to the what, – so what happens after B phase? What, I mean, what happens then? You go to your unit. So you go through okay. that, you get air to, you get, you know, your transition, which is learning how to fly the plane. You get an instrument check ride, and then you do offensive basic fighter maneuvers, defensive basic fighter maneuvers, intercepts, intercepts to engagements, and then dissimilar, which we had Hornets for. And uh, by the way, the Hornet guys got me a Screen Actors Guild card because they had so much film on me after the end of that phase. <laughs> Was that, the, yep. was that the guys from Beaufort by chance? Yeah, they came out. And, or was uh, it the Navy guys? From at the, at the end of it. Yeah, no, no. This was this were some guys over from uh, Miramar. So oh, you know, okay. Okay. yeah, I thanked them. I thanked them for him, but uh, I was in the club with them on a Friday night, and I was talking to one guy. And he goes, "I don't recognize you." 
So I looked over my shoulder and looked at him like this. He goes, oh, now I remember. <laughs> he, had, he had never seen me straight on. He'd only seen me like that. So, only seen your backside. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, you had him trapped at your six, right where you wanted him, huh? Right where you wanted him. Yeah, that you knew exactly where they were. I had a. It all you had to have an inst- you had to have an instructor for the first ride in that phase, and the instructor said, in the middle of it, when the guy was gunning me, the instructor said, "He says, hey, Bo, there's no camera on the end of the airplane that they're looking at. I can guarantee you, you're, you're getting no film." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, that may be a title there. Got me a SAG card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got me a Screen Actors Guild card for that. Right? They rolled credits oh, on me. You know? yeah. it's, it's a bad one. Starring the governor. Fin- introducing. <laughs> introducing. Oh, I'd like to man. say that uh, fighter pilots all over the world have old three-quarter inch VHS tape of me. I guarantee you that. I don't there know about go. that. I think you may be exaggerating a little I bit don't there. No, a southerner exaggerating? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is that? What That's is not allowed, say? is it? How many, how many war stories have been ruined by an eyewitness? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many a great war stories ruined by an eyewitness. There you Listen, go. I got, oh, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of talent riding out to the airplane. I got a lot of oh. talent. That's funny. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. He's a movie star. So, movie star, yeah. yeah so, he's a movie uh, star. well, how did uh, how did Governor come about? Governor. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was governor. got into my first squadron, and they said I had a knack for being able to to talk to people in such a way that we may be able to calm down nerves and and get ourselves out of trouble. So anytime we did something that we needed to apologize for, suddenly I became the man. Oh, you were uh, the spokesman? They had you to go the take the, the the squadron letter. I'm sure y'all had one too, but we had a squadron letter that said, we the members of the 68th Lightning Lancers apologize. Please check all that apply. And we would hand that letter uh, into them. But I would go to all the all the things where we would have to pay for stuff that might have been broken by others, but we took responsibility for it to keep them out of trouble. Sure. And uh, so that's how I got it, being diplomatic and tactful. And, yeah, okay. And even in the debrief. I I could totally see that now. You know? Yeah. So, oh, I mean, yeah, it totally makes sense to me, but but I've I've met you previously, you know, in person. So it totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now. So beautiful. How far into so the story that you told in the beginning? It happened in your during your first squadron tour. It did. So how far into your first squadron tour did that event take place? Seven months. So let's talk the per, the previous the the first six months okay. in your squadron tour. You were just flying out of Moody, no deployments, right? And That's everything right. was good. You were. F-16, Learning, pilot getting X's time, in the learn. box. Yeah, signing off, taking uh, taking evaluations in the A model. We had we had block fifteen big tail A's there. We went from the small tail A's to the big tail big tail A's. Can, can you define that for for me? Because I'm just a dumb yeah. green harrier guy. Well, big tail, small tail, they all look the same. To Viper's me. a viper, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ask guys, ask guys that have got film on me. They can tell you what it looks like. No I'm kidding. But uh, the tail, the the 
the elevators on the old on the uh, older models were very small. In fact, the first F-16s didn't have a manual pitch override switch, which meant that you could get get the nose up high enough and get outside of 29 degrees angle of attack, and you didn't have enough stick authority because there wasn't enough elevator back there to drive the nose back down. So you had to you had to keep bullets in the gun, and when I flew, there would always be bullets in the gun unless I was going to shoot some air because there was nobody ever in front of me. I was always in front of somebody else. But And then they got the big tail A, and they got the uh, manual pitch override, which is called the MPO switch on it, and they, they just changed the surface and gave it more, more pitch authority. And then later on, of course, as the planes – got bigger and heavy. the F-16s got a little bigger and a little heavier. They, they beefed them all up. So the first six months I flew big tail A's, and then we changed over from being a point-defending dogfight squadron uh, with some strike to being a Block 40 night with that low-altitude night targeting infrared uh, navigation system, Lantern, that came out in, in 1990, 1991. And we were flying, so we went from flying daytime BFM taking both our missiles with us. That's right. We took both, both missiles when uh-huh. we went flying. Okay, Papas. We had uh-huh. Papas at the time, AIM-9 Papas. Uh-huh. And to Block 40s, which was flying low levels at night, 300 feet, 480 knots by yourself in there. And, it, and that's in, a, in an attack mode. Oh, yeah. And that, yeah. that plane was beefier, heavier, and it was a monster for its time. It was the new F-16s, Block 50s, and Block 60s are monster monsters, but... The Block 30 Big Mouth F-16 was a huge monster, which I flew later at Kunsan as a member of the 35th First to Fight Panton Squadron, Push It Up. But uh, the, block, the Block 40 was the monster. And uh, okay. we, went, we went to doing that. So, so I'd been in the Block 40 about three months when I, when I decided that I was done with the one I had for, that, for the particular day we're going to get to here in a minute. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask a really, this is going to be probably the stupidest question you've ever heard. But okay. bear in mind, I'm a crayon eating, window licking. Window licking. <laughs> yeah, you know, single seat Marine Harrier pilot. F-16 fighting Falcon, but it's called the Viper. Mm-hmm. So, like, one's a, one's, a fa- one's a bird of prey, one is a is a slithering... A snake with a venom. Well, what what's the difference between well, the uh, the the falcon and the viper? What I mean, why 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 are we calling it two different things? Well, let me tell you, there are really no no stupid questions, but there are really inept people that ask things. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I walked straight into that. Boom. Tell you what. Yeah. I, I teed that up for you, Governor. <laughs> Thank I you. Teed that up. Thank you. The royalty Punch check. Your forehead is, right off the window, Fig. <laughs> there, there you go. Right, right as he went to take another lick. The Klingon Viper. The Klingon Vipers, man. That's where it came from, from Star Wars, right? The Klingon Vipers. No. That's, yeah. No. Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. My yeah. God. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right on. So. Beautiful. Anyway. Oh, that's outstanding. <laughs> You know, I never thought about it. I just thought they wanted something cooler than a falcon. To, uh, not yeah, that falcons right. aren't pretty cool, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, fighters have always wow. been uh, some kind of bird of prey, right? Until yeah. you, and, then you, and then here's the hornet, which uh, that's not a bird of prey. That's just a nasty insect with a stinger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, 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 got, I got way off track. Sorry. 
So please, please do, con- please do continue, sir. I yeah. think, I think I interrupted a story that had to do with you flying Block Forty Night Nav Lantern, first of its kind, went from a point fighter to yeah, a point uh, defender. You know, yeah, just point defender, point defender to, and we did. I mean, we we did have a multi role, but. We went from being a point defender to being a night attack squadron. And there, there were guys in the squadron there that were like full up in that in the Block 40 that never got to fly during the daytime because they had so many requirements to meet uh, yeah. to meet the wartime required mission, to be combat mission ready. Now, were you guys flying with Cat's Eye, MVG, Go- Nogs? <laughs> no, we had the oldest FLIR, the first generation FLIR, and we were breaking glow sticks that we were buying at Cabela's yeah. in Bass Pro Shop so we could see the instruments. And so you were seeing the FLIR through the HUD, and that's it. That's it. Either oh, white hot or, either white hot or black hot, right? And, wow. uh, but, but the instruments didn't have the lighting in them yet like you needed for night. And so we literally were breaking those glow sticks like you see at Halloween and all that, putting them around the, around the at the time we called it the cockpit. So anyway. It's, so. Not, it's not the cockpit anymore up there. It's the flight deck now, right? <laughs> oh, dear God. The flight well, deck? What, yeah. <laughs> wow. That yeah. seems more offensive somehow. <laughs> hey, I can't take another investigation, fellas. Let's watch it, okay? All right. All right. Uh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now. Oh, man. Uh, Must be my internet. I'm halfway across the planet. That's all. <laughs> yeah. There you go. He is on the other side of the planet right now, and the, and you know for being the for 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 a guy that just got sucked through a straw, he looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you; you look pretty good. <laughs> Feeling good, Lewis. <laughs> if I could have just a moment of your time, I promise I'll make it worth your while. Especially if you love great food and want to support this show at the same time. Please visit HelloFresh after this message to not only help us out, but also get a fantastic deal on delicious and easy-to-prepare meals. What's HelloFresh, you ask? Well, it's simple. You get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered straight to your door. It's designed to make home cooking straightforward, enjoyable, and, yes, even affordable. Now, if you're looking to save money, eat better, or just reduce your daily stress, HelloFresh is your new best friend. Embrace a year filled with delightful flavors, fresh ingredients, and chef-crafted recipes. All at a great price that'll keep your wallet happy and delivered right to your doorstep. And say goodbye to those moments of cooling your kitchen and warming your fridge while staring blankly into it. With HelloFresh, you have access to a diverse menu of over 45 recipes each week. Imagine the variety of flavors and the sheer joy of cooking without the hassle. Speaking from personal experience, when my wife visited our daughter in Florida, I was left in charge of meals for my son and me, and it was HelloFresh to the rescue. The meals are not only a breeze to prepare, but also delicious, and we're talking faster than our local takeout. But that's not all. Picture this, free breakfast for life. Wait, what? Yes, you heard it right. Every HelloFresh box comes with a complimentary breakfast item, ensuring you start your day right. So... Here's the deal. Go to HelloFresh.com slash so there I was free and use the code so there I was free. This is your ticket to free breakfast for life with one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. 
Again, that's a free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash so there I was free with the code so there I was free. And remember, with HelloFresh, you're not just choosing meals, you're choosing convenience, quality, and the joy of cooking. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Can you set up that that fateful day on April 4th? It was April 4th, right? Yeah. April 4th, 1991 at 1217 in the afternoon. It was. Uh, what, what kind of flight was it, Governor? What kind okay. of flight was it? All right. What were you guys supposed to be doing? Fellas, so there I was. <laughs> in the middle of a surge yeah. week, flying with the same four guys. This is the fourth day that we've flown it. The second time that day that we've flown the mission. And it was load up. We went down to Lake George Range, and we were doing radar bomb deliveries. And I remember tossing the radar bomb in, and the guy came back, and he said, he said, shat, four. And nice. three came on the radio, and he goes, score it again. There's no way. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we come off. Of, <laughs> so I'm telling you, man, I was known for my fierce Fierce ways in the Viper. No. So anyway, so we come off on an RTB, simple RTB. There's some, it's kind of like a ping pong ball, Dave, you know what I mean? No real discernible horizon when we're coming back to Moody. And all we're going to do is descend down into the range right off the end of Moody Air Force Base called Grand Bay Range. We're going to go down, we're going to strafe, then we're going to go land, and that's going to be it for the day. Easy. Easy day. Easy, Easy day. So Man. we're... Just cruising on top, two by two, 6,000 feet. We're all lying abreast. Got a nice, nice offset container going. One decides that it's time to start down, so he, he puts two into close, and three tells me to come into close, so we slide in. Three takes a lock on one, and we start down through the weather. So I'm in my trusty position flying off of uh, my leader, and I hear the call, a fighting wing, two fighting wing. And uh, I say, okay, I'm going to be going fighting wing in a second. And then I look over at my my trusty partner, and I see a hand signal from him that is kind of a little bit alarming to me. But I say, okay, no worries. And then he says, four fighting wing. And I did just like we've all been taught, whether you're in a harrier, you're in a, you're in a kitten, you're in a hornet, you're in an eagle. I slid, slid out just a little bit. And then I looked to where I was supposed to be going, and then I banked up a little bit to slide out. He's going to roll away from me. Then I'm going to use angles instead of dinosaurs to get into position. And, and I look back over him, and the next thing I see is there's an F-16 coming at me. And I went, oh, yeah. this is not good. And I said my dirty words, every one of my dirty words I had. Now, I was loaded out <laughs> with two wing tanks, a Sioux, which is a multiple-attach bomb unit that holds six BDUs, bomb dispenser units that simulate Mark 80, Mark 82s. I had a triple ejector rack. I had an ECM pod, I had a captive AIM-9, and I had another weapon out on the other wing called an AMD, which I can't remember what that stands for now, but it was it was to simulate the uh, aerodynamics of uh, AIM-9. So I'm, I am a yeah. glorified yeah. F-4, and we had a switch inside the F-16. that You had it in Cat-1 or Cat-3, and I'm a Cat-3 airplane. So the laws in the flight control system are, are simpled up when you're, when you're that asymmetric. And I realize as he's coming at me, he's moving. I'm going like, okay, this is this is not good. So I start to roll up a little bit, and then he stops on the canopy. And I thought, that's the effect you're on. We're going to hit. 
And I knew that I couldn't roll away from him because he would just pile drive me. I thought he would pile drive me and kill us both. And I thought the only place I can go is up and over. So I snatched with everything that I had and I rolled that airplane over him. And when I did, his tail missed my cockpit by about, I think when they got the tapes out, finally it was like nine feet. I can't, I don't know how we didn't hit. And uh, so I'm looking over and I, I roll it up. I roll it up as hard as I can. He goes here. I don't see him again until I'm laying in the hospital. And I roll it up here and I look saying, he's going to come back there. I'll just slide in position. And then when I get down on the ground, I'll say something to him. And right. I felt this big slice. Airplane just sliced through. And I went like, oh no, I put myself out of control snatching so hard. And then I look and there's no horizon. And I start to hear the air come on. And it started to come by me. And I look down. And if you remember in the Viper, the attitude indicator is down below your knees down there. Standby. The standby. Stand no, by. no. This is the this is the attitude indicator. The peanut is up here. But the real attitude indicator was down on the center console beneath the heads up, the, beneath the uh, glare shield. But you had to literally look yeah. down at it. Okay. Well, you were, and, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt. You were, you were kind of laying down in the 16 anyway, right? I mean, you're mostly inclined, reclined. Yeah. You were laying back. Yeah. yeah. This, which, which so, that's a great call because that contributes to what happens to me. Okay. Uh, so I'm laying back. I'm laying, I'm, I roll over and I look down at the attitude indicator. And I don't know if any of you have ever done that when you've been purely in the vertical. But when you're at what is called the nadir, which is nadir. deep, which yeah. is as deep as you can get, it is a black attitude indicator with a white dot with a Saturn ring around it. Now I'm hurling myself at the ground, and I look at that and I go, "That's not good. This no. this <laughs> this is bad for me," you know. Yeah. And so, and so I thought I was out of control, so I I let go. I went, what's this thing doing down this deep? I let go because in the F-16 is out of control. The first thing you do is let go of the controls. It, it, it'll take care of you. And then the nose just dug in and I look into the HUD and I can't find it because it's all depressed. And I look at the airspeed indicator and it is going like this. And I go, okay. Increasing then, rapidly. It Increasing is, rapidly. It, it is going, it's going up and it's over. We were, we were supposed to be descending at 300. I learned later that we were actually descending at 360 because we'd allow the speed to run up. 360 knots. I'm sorry. I should have said it that way. And uh, <laughs> I go, wow. I said, well, I got flying speed. I can't be out of control. I got flying speed. And then of all things, I look up. I look up and there's just a little bit of a horizon in this ping pong ball, in this non-discernible horizon. And I go, there it is. So I push a little. I come back on the con control stick. I push a little bit, and I roll to that, and I pull. And when I do, the airplane just starts ratcheting like somebody is hitting the sides of it with sledgehammers. I mean, it is it is just totally ratcheting. And I go, what in the world is going on? And then it does this skater pirouette. It just goes all the way around. And I pop out. And when I pop out, there's this green field with a brown spot in it. And I see it, and it goes, it goes by me, and then it goes by me again, and I go, holy crap. And then I go, okay, idle, speed break, and I go to pull, and when I do, everything stops. And I go, I'm going to hit the ground. I am going to hit the ground. So I let and go. What altitude did you pop out of the clouds at, do you think? 
Well, I was told later. Uh, yeah. I had no idea what altitude I came out at. Yeah. Uh, but I was told later that I popped out at about 5,200 feet. And I'll, I'll hold that rest of that until I get a little bit later on it because I want to. Okay. I want to. Okay. I want to take you right. right. I want to bring you Not right. Not going to interrupt anymore, Governor. No, Keep you going. you can you you can't fig like I, I said, man. For you, we'll be forgiving because of that earlier question. Okay, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> now keep going, brother. Keep going. All right, so, boom. So I'm, I'm pulling. I'm pulling with everything I got. And then I said I'm going to hit the ground, so I let go of the controls. I put my feet on the rotor pedals. I put my chin on my chest, and I pull. And when I do, you know that canopy goes bam, and it pops off, and you're out, right? But for me, the canopy went this, this. Mm. It goes this is slow. Oh, and I go, slow. oh my, oh my goodness. And then I see as as the canopy's leaving, I see the brown spot in the field go around me again. Well, I'm going around oh. it, you know. And uh, sure, that brown spot in the green wasn't looking at your own ass in the flight suit. Just asking well, for I, a friend. I, I, uh, I got an answer for that. I never use that flight suit again. I'm just going to tell you that because they no. took it. You know? <laughs> it's so, and so I roll it. I roll it. It rolls around, but everything is stopped now, and it's gone into slow motion. And then I hear this, <sighs> and I hear the seat start. And then I come out of the airplane like like this. This is for those of you that can't see. He's moving in slow motion. motion. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going, but you know, you're spit I'm out of that thing, impression. and it. Yeah, yeah, I got temp. I'm temporarily distorted, and and then I get a god's eye view of the airplane as the swamp. By the way, I'm over the Okefenokee Swamp in South Georgia. <laughs> I watch the trees open up and take the airplane, and then there's the famous, you know, where the, where the airplane hits the ground and the water, the the wave that goes through, oh, and then the ripples. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah and then and then. I looked to the left, and the the guy that was number two in this formation, his name was yeah. Chris Walters, and I happened to be in his jet. And I look over to my left, and spinning counterclockwise is the canopy. And I just looked at it, and it was going like Chris Walters, Chris Walters, Chris Walters. <laughs> <laughs> I just got his name on the edge of the canopy. Oh, now I'm hurtling, I'm hurtling through the air, and this is what goes through my mind. I go, he's gonna be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and then my seat is behind it, is behind the canopy. Of course, yeah. And it, it misses. I missed that canopy by about fifty feet. Is what it, it felt like. It was like right in my face, but I miss it by about fifty feet. And then I do the. I, I look at it in the seat, and I go, "Well, I'm not gonna beat the seat." And then suddenly everything went from no motion to full speed. Like somebody hit me with a two by four and you've got like race car video. And now I'm going full speed and I'm, and things are still going by me this direction. And I look and my left arm and shoulder is all the way behind me. And I go, I go, gosh, I I wonder if I ripped my shoulder out when I pulled and, uh, and I'm able to pull it in. And if you remember it, remember when you're going to land in a tree, I look down and I go, can I make it to the field? I think I can make it. I look up and the little things you're supposed to pull, the, the red, yeah, little red the little red, the four-line release. Yeah, the four-line release yeah. that you're supposed to <laughs> you're supposed to pull, they're not there. 
And I go, okay. So I grab the riser and I pull and I start to slide. And I go, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Okay. And so, <laughs> so, you know, how you remember they taught you, you go like canopy, visor, mask, C kit, LPU, and then prepare for a, prepare for a tree landing. And you pull your visor down and you put your hands over it, over this to, to protect your carotid artery. Right. And I look down and I realize I'm about to get a pine tree enema. And I oh. went, okay, I'm oh going to do something a little different here. <laughs> so, so, so I, I take my right hand and I put it over my throat like this. And I take my left hand and put it down so that I could have children again later on in life. And, and I, came, I came into the trees and I bounce into the trees. The air, I can hear the airplane still exploding over there. And I stop. Oh, about 30 feet above the ground and I'm hanging in a tree <laughs> and I bounce <laughs> and I fall about 15 feet. And then I tell myself before I bounce again, I am going to, I am going to grab this tree and slide. And I look below me and it's the biggest palmetto bush you've ever seen down there with those spikes. <laughs> so I bounce and I slide right down into a palmetto bush. Oh, yeah. Geez. Okay. All right, now I have to stop here, and, and I would just want to give you the action sequence for everybody that's listening tonight. <laughs> I went from being on the wing just in an admin descent, and I'm going to give you the time sequence. You ready? Rally four, go fighting wing. Let's do it. I'm in a tree. That's how quick. How many seconds was that? It How many was, seconds was it? It was six seconds to when I pulled the ejection handle. And then, so I'm sorry, at 12 seconds, I was in the, 15 seconds, I was in the tree. At six seconds, I pulled the ejection handle. And nine seconds later, I'm in the tree. The airplane hit the ground two seconds after my feet cleared the rail. No so I was 80 degrees ah. nose low, 360 knots <laughs> with 60 degrees of left bank. When so, I, I made the decision about 5,200 feet and I got out at about... 1800 feet and was coming yeah. down. What, so what rate of descent? That must have been a horrendous rate of descent. Then. 37,000 feet per minute. You, you could you have done it any later and tell the story, really. Yeah. Uh, one fifth of one oh. second. One fifth of one second. Yeah. So, so yeah. that was, uh, I mean, we're, 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 we're talking to a guy. Who has nerves of steel and reflexes like a cat? Oh yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man, you hear the way I talk? Yeah. That's the way oh, I yeah. think, right there. Oh my gosh! So, okay, w w listen. Okay. okay, I know there's more to it. So, yeah. so uh, before we unpack all that, you wanna you wanna t you wanna talk about what happens after you actually get into the, you know, hit. Hit the ground. Okay. Oh, you yeah, so you were talking. Oh, yeah. I want you to describe for those that don't know what a palmetto tree is like. I mean, you mentioned spikes, but but oh, talk yeah. about okay. that. Yeah, we we know. So if you've ever been down to Florida on a vacation, they have those beautiful bushes, and they're these very very uh, strong strong leaves that grow up out of the ground, and at the end yeah. of those green green arms of that tree. It becomes a little lighter, then it gets to white, and then on the top is a sharp, sharp, sharp point. And like it's like stepping on sand needles. spurs. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> and 
I fell in, I fell into that bush because I am talented. Oh my ass. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I stood up, I stood up in the bush and I go, okay. And I checked for right angles at the wrong places. I was going like, okay, this is, this is bad. If something's broken and I don't know it because of the, because of the adrenaline, I want to know it now, but I'm going like, okay, I don't have any, any, any right angles at the wrong places. And I, I stop and I remember it like it's happening right now. I said, okay, Bo, that jet is gone and your life has changed forever. Now let's get out of the swamp. So I had the PRC 90 radio because I had a survivor vest on, combat vest on. So I get out the, the old radio, that big yellow radio that you see. Yeah. I turn it on and the beacon is going off. And I go, that's right. The beacon automatically comes on when the parachute pulls. So I go through the parachute harness and I find the beacon and I pull it out. And it's got this rocker switch on it. And on this side of the rocker switch, it says O-N. And on this side of the rocker switch, it says O-F-F. And I look at it and I'm going like, I'm not sure how this works. I'll just take the battery out. So I screwed the battery out of it to turn the, that's the only way I could turn the, turn the, turn the beacon off so that I could use the radio. (laughs) And we're window licking crayon eating Marines. I'm just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. I was publicly educated in the state of Georgia, so I do get some credit for that, okay? All right. So I come go. on the radio. I say, this is Rally 4, which was my call sign. This is Rally 4. I'm on the ground. I'm good. Nothing. This is Rally 4. I'm on the ground. And finally, in the background, I hear Rally 4. This is Rally 1. I said, Rally 1, Rally 4. I'm on the ground. And he says, I have, a, I have the jet located. Where are you? I said, I'm in, I'm in the swamp. He goes, pop smoke. So I grab out a flare, okay, and I rub the I rub the end with the knobs on it just because we were taught to do that, you know. That's and right. I, That's I right. popped I popped the flare, and I hold I hold it up. I pop the flare, and when the smoke comes out through the trees, forgive me, fellas, but this is going to be is almost a direct quote. This is a radio call. I get back, dude. You are so effed. <laughs> <laughs> I said, really? He goes, man, you're way in there. You're way back in there. I said, okay. I said, well, let's get me out. He goes, there's water everywhere around you. Everywhere. Okay. So I said, well, there is a field. There is a green field with a brown spot somewhere around me. He goes, it's due south of you. I just flew over it. So I said, all right, I'll go, I'll go due south. He goes, you can't. There's a big, there's a big pond in between there. He says, you got to walk west. I said, okay, there was like, there was a little pathway too that led out to that field he goes how do you know that i said i went around it enough times i'm familiar with it <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so he goes this way so i get out the compass i put it on the tree and i start walking to a tree and i walk to a tree and then i walk to a tree and finally i come out and i'm on the edge of a little pond and it's that lime green pond and this is april I know all the alligators are out of there because of all the violence because I was pretty close to the aircraft. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's water moccasin season. You know, that's nesting season, oh. and they're territorial. And so I go, the only way I can get across there is to get in that water. So I got my G-suit still on. I got my vest on. I take my boots off. I tie the strings together. I put them around my neck, and I walk into that water as far as I can get. And then when I run out of walking room, I start dog paddling He's across swimming. that pond. He's swimming. Oh, yeah. Then I – I come out on the other side, come back up, put my boots back on, 
keep going. <laughs> and I walk out to the trail. I look down at my watch. It's 2.15. I've been in that swamp trying to walk out of it for two hours already, and it seems like it's been two minutes to me. Oh, you know? man. Uh, and so I walk out, and I get on the path, and then I say, all right, I'm on the path. And <laughs> he goes, turn left and walk south. I go, thanks for telling me that south is left of west. I appreciate that. That right there, man. <laughs> that right there is a good talk on right there. Yes, sir. So I turn, yes, and I sir. walk yeah, yeah. So pedal stock down. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so I walk out, and I walk for an hour, and I come out on that green field with the brown spot in it. And the guy that was over me, he's already bingoed out. They've got another guy that's been flying over me, and he's about to bingo, bingo out. And so of all things, my lineup card had stayed on my leg, and I had stuffed it inside my vest. So when I got out to the field, I sat down and I drew everything and wrote everything down on that card. And I put it back in my top pocket. Right. And I'm sitting there and another hour goes by and they're telling me they're just having a hard time finding you. They're trying to drive in there and it's back in this. Finally, they call a sheriff of a local county. And at 5.15 in the afternoon, five hours after this thing happens, out of the woods comes a brown Barnaby Jones Crown Victoria car. <laughs> Drives right up to me. The guy rolls down the window and he says to me, you that pilot that crashed that jet? <laughs> and I said, that would be me, sir. <laughs> and he goes, you want a cigarette? <laughs> I said, no, no, sir. He goes, now, son, these are camel no filter cigarettes. It's like, I was like, that makes all the difference in the well, world. Well, sure, yeah. That, okay, yeah. well, hold on a second. That changes everything. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said, no, I better not. So he hops out, and he introduces himself, and his nickname was Bubba. And then another sheriff pulls up, Winston Peterson of another county, pulls up and says, hey, I hear you got an alligator problem out here. And I said, well, okay, sir. And he says, so you're the pilot? And I go, uh, yes, sir. And then a Georgia State Patrol car pulls up. And a state patrolman gets out and he puts on that T.I. hat that they wear. And the, if you've been to Georgia, Smokey all bear. the state patrolmen. Smokey Bear hat. Yeah, they, they've all, they're all like 6'2". And he walks up to me and he goes, Captain, I'm Bubba Ball. I said, well, it's nice to meet you, officer. And I start laughing. And he goes, do you find something particularly funny? I said, I do. I said, is it not funny to you that Bo has crashed his F-16 in the swamp in South Georgia and two Bubba's have shown up to pick him up? Is that not funny to you? <laughs> it's <laughs> so, funny to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm laughing. I said, I'm, I'm just sitting you know, here I, thinking, I, I, what are the odds of someone named Bubba picking you up, let alone two of yeah. them? <laughs> okay, it was 100%. And the pilot's name's Bo. It's 100% that day. I can yeah. tell you that. Okay. So, so that's it. He drives me over... He drives me over to, to the to the Wambalance where they put me on, and a guy named Stan McGill takes nine vials of blood out of me. And if anybody knows where he's at, let's do a spirit mission and give something back to old Stan for nine vials of blood. Okay, you are you with me? We won't be the governor. We won't be the governor on that day. But no, wow. he's a great guy. So here, just to sum it up and wrap it up for you guys. So. I get pitched into, and I roll it up, and I think I'm holding it up at about 120 degrees of bank, and that, and that he's going to slide on the out, inside, and I'm going to fall into position and fall in behind him. Yeah. That airplane actually rolls all the way over on its back, and I'm in the 
I'm in the suit, and so I, I don't have a discernible horizon. And when I let go, the F-16 goes for 1G, so the nose starts dropping. And as the nose drops, I'm going like, what's going on? Because I think I'm holding it up like this, and then I just slice through. And then when I get a little piece of the horizon, I roll. I roll to the right, thinking I've got the horizon, but I'm still in about 110 degrees of bank. So as I'm pulling, I just pull it into the pirouette. I dump all the, all the lift off the left flapper on and pull it. I was totally spatially misoriented, totally spatially misoriented. And then when I finally yeah. came out, and it's called Type 2 Unrecognized, and there's this phenomenon called the GXS illusion. Well, before this accident, we were losing airplanes to pilots just turning, especially in the Block 40. We'd had three accidents. I was the fourth accident that year, and it was only April. And what we learned, what we learned was, is that in the F-16, because of the way you sit, when you move your head, if you put G on, the cilia in your ear reorient. And unless you get an external input, your, your, your cranium tells you that's level. And until you right. get, let, right. unless you get something, and so I looked at the attitude indicator, nothing was there. I got something that gave me a cue, but it was a bad cue, but I had nothing in, to to check it against. And then when I pop out and I see it, by the way, when I looked up to find the blue sky, it was behind me in the canopy. As you know, there's no canopy bull in the F-16, but it was behind me. Right. And so, and that's when I went like, I ain't gonna make it. I ain't gonna make <sighs> it. And so. By the way, they uh, they got my wife on the radio. They called her, and they said, they said, hey, Kelly, first of all, Bo's okay. And, of course, she doesn't know what's going on yet. And she goes, now, I wouldn't rush the judgment on that, fellas. I've been married to him. So then they right. go, well, his jet's down, and, and but we're talking to him. And she goes, you say he's okay? And they, they said, yeah, he's okay. Bernie Stubbs was my ops officer. That's who called her. And he says, she says, okay, y'all are talking to him. And they said, yeah. She goes, are y'all getting a word in? Can y'all get anything in to say to him? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she she says, they say, do you want to ask anything you want to say to him? She says, yeah, ask him where those life insurance policies are. <laughs> That's a true story. Just in case. Oh, just in case. Just in it case. doesn't just work out case. here for the, in well, the next two hours. Well, Kelly, we've got him located. We're going to go get him. Do you have to? Can you leave him out there just a little longer? <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, that's not right. So, uh, that's not right at all. Oh, in man. A, in a 25-year Air Force career between the F-16 and the little T-37, which I flew for one little short tour on active duty and then as a reservist, I ended up with a little over 6,400 flying hours in F-16s and T-37s. But all I'm known is for eight seconds – on April the 4th, 1991 at 1217 in the afternoon. So that's okay. where I was on that day. But there's more to this. So <sighs> so you don't need to go into great detail, but but tell tell us what the outcome was after the, your investigation. What what did that help? What what did you help fix? So you go through the safety board and you tell them everything. Right. And then they gather up all the they gather up all the data and then they give you your causes and your findings and your contributing yeah. factors. And uh, they they let me know that I had type two unrecognized spatial misorientation. They had a camera on me. They had seven people sitting in front of me. And when they told me this, so you were completely misoriented and you you got a cue that finally and it was too late. So good decision. 
And I was sitting there and I started laughing and the guy goes, the board president goes, Captain McGowan, what are you laughing at? And I go, you guys may all be upside down right now. And I'm the only guy in the room that doesn't know it, right? That's what's going <laughs> right? on here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they're laughing. So then they take you over to a board where they read you your rights. It's called a collateral board. To, so if you were breaking any rules or anything, you're going right. to get punished yeah. for it, right? Potentially. Yeah. So I walk in and they, they, uh, they swear me in on the board. And then they do the interview piece and all that. And then when the interview is over, the board president says, we've got, we've got some problems with this new Block 40, and we're losing pilots to it. And the pitch lines in the heads-up dis- display, so you have your horizon line and then pitch lines above for climbing, pitch lines below for descending. And as, you, as everybody knows, in a heads-up display, you have to read everything because it's green. You have to read it. It's not like standard instruments where you can look at an yeah. attitude indicator and if it's yeah. all blue, you know you're up. Blue and, it's and all brown black. or blue and black for sky and dirt. Now in a, in a in a in a HUD, it's all the same color. And you got to read it. Yeah. And then and then the, you know if you're like this on an airspeed indicator in a fighter, you know you're 480. And if you're like this, you know you're 800. And if you're like this on an approach, you don't even really have to read the number because you know you're right because it's all. And this is an ILS. The v, the vertical speed's got to be about right here, right? Yeah, so yeah. for you guys that aren't watching visually, he's doing fighter pilot stuff, and he's using his hands, and he's making all these gestures. Using them hand signals. He's, he's, That's right. He's showing where the symbology is in the HUD for all these different So, aspects. And then on, and on the primary instruments, for yeah. all the people that fly privately, you get all these great, these get all this great feedback. You don't get that in the HUD. You've got to read it. And, right. And so, because let me jump in real quick. It's, what do you, the, the problem is, is it's digital. And you've got to read numbers and your brain has to interpret them. And that's why analog pointers are so much easier to just look. The pointers are in the right place. I don't need to know what the numbers are. I know what it's supposed to look like. Exactly. Yeah. So, and you've got, yeah. that, you've got that muscle and mental memory of where those things are yes. supposed to be at certain times. Yeah. You don't get that in a heads-up yeah. display. It's like going from reading tactile, from reading books for those with – with photographic memories, when they put it now on a computer, on an iPad, it's harder to do because everything's flat. So anyway, what he told me, he says, we need to change the pitch ladders so that they go to one half of the pitch until they get to 10 degrees, and then they stay at 10 degrees. And it gives you a funnel. If you have the HUD, you've now got a funnel that you can put the flight path marker through and pull to recover if you're in the soup. And then, if you're above, so it'll, if you're above the horizon, out of control, that funnel would be down point, towards yeah, the horizon. Point down. If you're, if below, you're below the horizon, it, it would point up. Yeah. Point up. Yeah. E- exactly. So, so I was the guy that that helped get that by answering 45 minutes of uh, of questions. On How that many day. airplanes did did <sighs> the Air Force lose that year for the same type of thing? Because you, you told me, I was like, oh my gosh. I think it was. I think it was either seven or eleven. It was, I mean, it was it was a lot because we were flying them like we flew daytime low levels, it, like At doing night. offset, right? Doing offset single seat, doing offset pops, doing off, offset pop up attacks, like, Ugh. and then and then they changed that to like straight attacks where you just rolled in one axis, or you did bunt where you would come towards the target, pitch up, and then just bunt, yeah, and go down towards the target. So yeah, yeah. So that so, so there I was. Yeah, there you were. That's a hell. Of a, that is a hell of a story, Governor. And I'm Thank glad. I'm I'm glad you had such cat-like reactions. Thanks. And I'm I'm really 
First of all, I'm glad right? to know you. Thank you for your service. But I'm glad you're able to tell this story because it is an amazing story. And the yeah. fact that, you know, what your story has in common with so many other uh, stories that we've heard when it comes to an ejection is, is the uh, temple distortion, mm-hmm. how things slowed way down when, yeah. it, in reality, it's a fraction of a second. Oh, yeah. So something interesting that the aerospace physiologist told me, he said, he said this all takes eight seconds to happen. And he's, they postulate, he says, we think you had over a thousand decisions in that eight seconds. You know? You yeah. Know. <laughs> didn't, you, now, didn't you say the first, the first guy who was not, I don't know if it was the aerospace specialist, but said, this is impossible. Yeah, this didn't he, happen the way you said it did or something like that. Until yeah, when he asked me what was the, like, what was the cue, <laughs> he, said, he said, what's the cue, what was the okay. cue to give you to eject? And I said, ground rush. And he said, that's impossible. And he says, you either fight or flight, but you did both. He goes, it doesn't happen that way. And it was, I mean, I'm a pretty laid back guy, pretty easy going. But I just kind of, I go, I think he's calling me a liar. <laughs> and so I, I said, yeah. I said, he was a, he was a colonel. And I said, Colonel, you ought to go try it yourself. I said, Oh wait, you're not a fighter pilot. You can't, can you? No. Oh, and yeah. then the board president went. The board president <laughs> came over and went. Everybody, slow down. Slow down. You know, because they hadn't seen me. And then uh, I didn't uh. know it, but there was a guy on the board there that was there solely from the wing to protect me. So I'm going home that night after having for the first time. Like said something that I really, really shouldn't have said, and, and I'm feeling kind of ugly. And the guy, the guy, we called him Dudley because he looked like Dudley Do Right from the old Canadian Mountie. Yeah, right. He yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, go see the wing commander. So I go over to see the wing commander. I report in, and he looks at me and he says, "Bo, do not lose your temper. You're okay." And I said, "Okay, sir." You know, and I said, "I guess I said it like." Sure I am. And he looked at me and he goes, look at me. You're okay. And I went back over and the next day and I apologized to the, to that colonel. And uh, he gave me a nice apology too, which, you know, he, he didn't have to. But I think maybe the yeah. board president had told him, said, hey, we, we've been with this kid for five weeks now. And he, he's not lying to us. I was 29 years old, by the way, when this all happened. And, so uh, so well, you're not, uh, yeah, you're not a new kid. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: From the time that, from the day you ejected until you got back in the F sixteen, how much time elapsed? Six weeks. See that that just seems to me like such a such a short amount of time. But Six at the weeks. same time, I guess it's kind of a long time. I don't know. Some of the stories we've heard is like the guys were back in the airplane in a, in a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. put me in, uh, or, they, they put or, me- or in the Blue Angels case. The next day. <laughs> right, right, right. No, totally shit. So they that. made me go out in these two-seat <laughs> F-16D models with IPs in the backseat, and they put me out of control. Or not out of control. They put me in all these unusual latitudes. They had to do all these recoveries. And they started out in the teens and then dropped it down below the teens and then finally gave me one you know, about 8,000 feet to, to recover. You guys want to lose another one? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for the confidence in me, bro. Yeah, yeah no. Who told you about me? <laughs> no, that's what you should, you should have said to him. You trying to lose another one? Come on. Uh, uh, well, so, thank you. It's uh, it's one thing. You. you know, they should have taken you out yeah. and done it in the goo, you know. 
do your unusual attitudes in the goo. That is the test, right? Because that's where you found yourself. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Yeah. That was it. That is. That's it. How about that? That's a good story, dude. Absolutely and, wild. And, and thank you uh, for sharing that with us. And thank you for your service as well. <laughs> Fun. How many years yeah. total did you do in the in the service? 25. Only 25, you slacker? Just, That's it? Yeah. Really? And I flew all 25. Never had a staff job. That's awesome. So oh, last damn day, it. It only six That just pisses hours. me off. All you guys get what? to do that. <laughs> so on my last day in the Air Force. You get to do I an entire and, career and never have to go, you know, to the Pentagon or, or ride around in a tank. <laughs> I, flew a, I flew two student flights on my last day in the Air Force, took a shower oh and gosh. went over and gave my flag away in my speech. And I looked at my wife and I said, I've had a mistress for the last 25 years. And today I'm telling her I never want to see her again. Well, how about that? They struck the first note of the Air Force song. I saluted the commander and I walked off and got in the car and we drove off. That's an awesome story, dude. Yeah, I loved it. I love the Air Force and the military and wow. my fellow brothers, front seaters, back seaters. That is, that is. Yeah. And, well, thank you for yeah. sharing. It, yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for your 25 years of service and 6,400 hours of, fly, of flying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Governor. You bet. It's a pure joy, my friends. A pure joy and a pure Now, pleasure. on a separate subject, but, but also very similar, you also do motivational speaking? Inspirational yeah. speaking, yeah. Inspirational, motivational. What, what, what's, this, what's this called? How, how does somebody find you? They can find me. I'm part of Waldo Waldman's Wingman Enterprises. Waldo and I flew F-16s together in the 35th First to Fight Push It Up Pantons in Korea. Uh, Waldo is a... Uh, New York Times best-selling author, Never Fly Solo. He's in the National Speakers Hall of Fame. Just an outstanding guy. He brought me in about seven years ago and said, I think that I think that you'd be great up on the podium. You could inspire people. All of that stuff that he has me do, we have the same principles, and then we tailor them all to individual organizations. And he's got a great program that he's put together. But it's about the idea that we flew single-seat fighters, but we were never alone, and we never right. flew solo. And so it's called it's called Wingman Enterprises. Just type in Bo McGowan and I'll pop right up on your screen. And there's a there's a little story in there about when I flew when I flew an F-16 faster than 800 knots indicated when you weren't supposed to. So, you, mean, you, yeah. you mean you uh, you opt you opt checked it to another you opt checked the airspeed indicator at one point. <laughs> yeah. I had my wingman I, I, tell me he was he, my wingman was behind the line. I said line abreast too, and he goes. He goes, one, the, the red line is 800. And I looked down, I went, well, this one goes 859. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have off-checked the speed uh, limit indicator on a Harrier on more than one occasion. Kind of in the same situation. Not on purpose. It just happened, you know, uh, when you're getting out of, when you're getting off, coming off target or whatever. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's great. Thank you for asking me about that. But I, I do want to say one more time what an outstanding program that Waldo has put together and I, it is a pure joy and a privilege and an honor to be a part of it and we re he really has helped me make an impact with his mentoring and and so yeah. is it do you guys is it is it mainly like corporate type customers mm -hmm. Cor yeah. corporations associations anybody, anybody that wants us I've, I've had crowds as big as 500 to a thousand and I did one earlier 
uh, later last year that had seven C-suite executives in it, which was really personal and really fun. So, yeah, but he, he does big groups, small groups, whatever, but it's just awesome. Well, I, I can say from personal experience, I, I've experienced the governor up, up close and personal uh, with, a, with a story that I, I, it probably took 10 minutes <laughs> to tell, but I thought, it, I, thought I, I was there for 45 minutes to an hour. It was that, it was that awesome. Thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Repeat, are you, are you back? <laughs> you, you were gone for a second. You're back. You know, sound oh, like you're on man. The side I, so I got to apologize to the audience. If I have walked on Fig and Governor here, my, no, you my you internet haven't. is so slow, and I've actually been booted out of the room a couple times. Okay, good. I've tried to just keep my, my no, lip zipped. At one point, for the last five minutes or so, I've gotten about 40% of what's being said, so... I'm gonna have to go back and listen well, to all this cool really stuff. You're gonna really enjoy that, it when you go doing, back and listen I'm not to it because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what do you say? We I got we everything until until now. we started talking about the aftermath and all that. But yeah, should we wrap this? up? Yeah, yeah. Well, we st- yeah we probably need to wrap it up here and and say you know first of all obviously and Fig said it a couple times already but we can't thank you enough for your service what you've done for this country obviously you've made a difference and you're continuing to make a difference so we we are grateful to you for that thank you thank you repeat a couple other thank yous we need to get out there first of all a salute and a thank you to all active duty military and all veterans and most especially to the families of active and veterans you are the ones that help make it possible for those that are serving to continue to serve effectively and keep the home front uh, nailed down. It's a big sacrifice and it goes unrecognized too often. So thank you also to Dave Hamilton over at backbeatmedia.com. They handle the advertising. Our bandwidth is courtesy of Cashfly. Go see them at cashfly.com. And if you have any questions for us from this show, some terms we've covered, reach out to us. Who would you write to, Fig, first? Well, first of all, we have a glossary. So in aviation, we use a lot of acronyms. And we, but there's been some acronyms flying around tonight. We, we tried to cover them as best we could. If, if we miss something and it's not already in the glossary, then let us know at uh, so there I was dot us slash sticks. And sticks, we'll make sure that gets in the glossary because sticks is the brains of the operation. There you go. Absolutely. And if and if you want to write the figure me, it's fig or repeat, R-E-P-E-T-E, at so there I was, dot us. So got those as well. If you want to get some cool merch, bar glass, bikini, polo shirt, hoodie. I love my hoodie. Uh, coffee That's right, mug. Governor. So he there said was. bikini. We have a so there I was bikini, and it is awesome. <laughs> I bet you guys look horrible in that thing. <laughs> Hold on a second now. <laughs> Hold on a second. I, I think I look pretty good in it. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, man. I know. But we got hoodies and T-shirts and hats and, you know, coffee mugs and uh, koozies. What else? Absolutely. Oh, uh, all of it. I got a clock, got a big beach towel. <laughs> you name it. Go to so there, so there I was dot us slash merch and look at that amazing catalog of cool stuff that we have up there for you. Another couple quick thank yous. Gallo has donated a hundred bucks to the show. 
Gallagher. Chucker is now a six-time count him. You need you need two hands now to count how many times Chucker has thrown two hundred bucks in our direction. So, but this week's wait, show wait, is wait. thanks to them. Yeah, you heard me. Six times. I was going to say we 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 have to come up with a new category. Uh, I know, it's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just Chucker. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe we should call, just call it the He's Chucker. The ex- yeah, Chucker, the executive <laughs> producer, the Chucker category. So, but, but thank you to all of the donors. We are grateful to you who take your hard money and and give it to us. So, double L, I, hey double L, double L gave us one last week. Thank you, double L. Yeah, absolutely. He upgraded it to uh, division lead, so, and got to meet Strecken last night. I was on layover and uh, hooked up with Strecken, and we might have had an adult beverage or two and. Uh, you got That's to see awesome. the skyline of one of the more that. beautiful cities in the in the world. Yeah. So, two last thank yous. Well, one thank you to two guys or dos if you speak Spanish. Dos guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the dos gringos who who uh, the makes ones. our uh, who makes yeah he makes the Air Force F sixteen pilots sound good, right? Uh, right? Thank you for letting us use your music and uh, thanks for being on our show. Indeed, thank you so much. I think that's it for obvious reasons this week. You can definitely know you don't want to sit on that uh, ejection handle. You may need that in under two seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like saying. almost like so, a split second yeah. of a second. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. Don't set on and, it. No, don't do it. And until next week, stay safe and check six. Crossing the pond And you could see that I wasn't exactly fond Of all the shit I was wearing On that day Now an F-16 is cramped enough But it's even worse With all that stuff Supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause when you're going down The North Atlantic, man, it's over He said it's over He, he said it's over, dude it's over. Dead hurt.